Hello, gentle listener, and welcome back to Blind Corner, the pop culture podcast that occasionally uh, makes some good jokes. With me, Will Ashdown. Will, we did it again. I know. We did it again. New Year, (laughs) same terrible uploading schedule. We did the thing again, (laughs) where we did a big push, we bought an internet domain, (laughs) and then we completely forgot about our pop culture ambitions for a month. Yeah, for a whole month. To be fair, though, it has been the festive, the festive season, and the New Year's always tricky. I always well, give myself two weeks to work my way into my resolutions, if I'm being honest. And Blind Corner was definitely it falls into that category. That's the excuse that I've been using about my ever-expanding waistline, but I don't think it cuts much mustard. <laughs> it doesn't matter, does it? No, it shouldn't not. be a chore. I see. I saw you post some pretty, uh, some pretty big numbers on the old Strava the other day. Yeah, well, I have to because. My body at the moment is, you know, I've always thought of myself as a kind of a small part in the great machine that is the world. And I think as the world is slowly turning in on itself and burning, uh, as is my (laughs) my terrible, terrible body, which is um, at once. What's the thing they say in yesterday? They say you're skinny, but somehow also round. And that is (laughs) skinny fat boy is the uh, the moment. um, The kind of bod that I do have, although rocking a nice, a tasty little B cup. So I suppose if I (laughs) (laughs) little petite little B cup going, if Um, I want to maybe turn some tricks around Canal Street, then there's some potential there. Talking about the world turning in on itself. You You lived in America for a while, didn't you? For five years, five long years. So you you won't be conscripted into the into the World War Three. <laughs> what the space force? Yeah. Well, <laughs> um, not for America. No, I. Would you, I was would never you, a citizen. Would you rock up and fight for America? Absolutely. No, 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 no not no for chance. America. If we, you know, if if Bojo hauls our pathetic glasses into into gear. Would you? Um, I think we're too woke as a generation to stand up and fight. I think we're all far too selfish. <laughs> we're too woke. No, I don't <laughs> think that it's the wokeness. Um, no, I, but purely because I, <laughs> you know, there's plenty of moral objections to um, any kind of war, obviously. But mostly, I just think I would do much more harm than good. Um, yeah. I've watched night. Oh, by the way. Um, this is our Oscar nominations episode. We should have mentioned that before, like five minutes in. Yeah, Oscar special. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna talk about move that mic a little bit away from those lips, buddy. I feel like I'm inside your teeth. I'm miles away. I feel like I'm inside you, inside riding on your tongue like a wave pool, baby. A tsunami of joy. <laughs> that, I thought that was a decent length away. I don't know. I think we were hard on the plosives a little bit there. Anyway, technical difficulties aside, we did just have some technical difficulties. The call dropped out uh, just as I was about to talk about why. Uh, well, I watched 1917. Speaking of Oscar nominations, um, and it just made me extremely confident that I would be. Not only useless in a combat situation, but like a real liability. But also, you're so um, scared of hurting anyone's my, feelings, yeah, but let my, alone physically. You'd be. But I'm, I, I wouldn't mind hurting someone physically if they were trying to shoot at me. I'd just rather than go kind of, you know, uh, big and oh, let's get these bastards before they get us. Sure, I would it. just. Um, yeah, I would just be so scared. I would cry. Um, but more than cry, I'd like... Um, have you seen the film World War Z? Or yes, World I War have. Z? I have. Do you know the bit where he touches down in Korea um, and the zombies start running and the big expert <laughs> shits it, turns round, <laughs> slips over and shoots himself in the head? <laughs> that would be me in a war situation. I would arrive at the battlefield absolutely like trip over my boot laces or something and break my neck and die before i got anywhere near the uh before i got anywhere near combat the the closest i've ever been to a a real life trench was a wilderness festival when i was 15 years old and my dad had to come pick me up because i hated it so much so if i was to actually get involved in trench warfare I, just, I don't think I would just I would just be miserable. I wouldn't like to, it, and I'd, it, I'm all about the good times, and that is not a good time in my mind. I do have to say though, I think Iran <laughs> is not necessarily uh, the battlefield for trench warfare. I think it'd be more hot, no cover, horrible, sweaty Fly, tank. Yeah, 
Oh yeah, flies you know, everywhere. It'd be a different kind of hell. It would still be hell. I'm not hey, trying to. Uh, we get a pretty cool, pretty cool Instagram different. picture in front of a tank, though, Matt. So every cloud. No, well, I wouldn't, because I, I wouldn't. Like I say, I wouldn't pass basic training. Um, they might have me there as a doctor or something. Yeah, I suppose you could. Um, what was that? Poet. Hackshaw Ridge. Hackshaw Ridge. That'd be you. Yeah. Or um, like. Uh, like in the old days, they used to have the drums, drums and whistles. I could, <laughs> yeah. I could be the guy who carries the flag, maybe. Yeah, I'll just. I'll like they the give me, a, they give me a pistol. You know, I could pop off some. Yeah. With my with my little sidearm, yeah. but mostly I'll be carrying this big, if big huge on, yeah. flag that tells everyone yeah. where I am. <laughs> if you're on the ground and scrawling backwards, you've always got your little little tiny little pistol to fall back on. And I think pop, we did pop this, up a few, didn't pop we? Pop up a few rounds. I think we have done a few, done this before. We did this with War and Peace. We did this in War and Peace. I think oh. I maybe even said I'd be the flag person back then. I just got a real flashback. Because when I when you said that, I instantly thought of Andre running into battle. <laughs> yeah. What did I yeah. say the other day <laughs> when we were when we were up in Manchester recently, and I was really pissed. And I compa- you were very drunk. I was very drunk, and I compared you and I to P- Petrushka, and what's his face? Is it you Petrushka said something ridiculous, like you looked at me and went, "You are my Petrushka," <laughs> which was ridiculous, clearly. Um, <laughs> and no one knew what we were, I was with the, your group of friends, and no one knew what the hell I was talking you about. Were, you were the most drunk I've ever seen you, and you were grinding on chairs in the middle of Mint, Mint Lounge. Oh God, do you remember? Do you remember when I like lifted the sign up and then I took it down? Yeah, and I, I came over and I thought I was. Everyone thought I was in trouble because I had <laughs> yeah. like a really long conversation with him. But he was just offering me. He was like, "We've got some of those signs in the back if you want to take one home." <laughs> yeah, the strangest bouncer in the world. Like, you can steal it, but I've also got one in the back if you want that. It was bizarre. He was like, you can just have a new one. Speaking of a potential future war a film which has got a bit of oscar buzz about it uh focuses on a past war and we are referring to jojo rabbits um, oh not the what did you think i was going with what, 1917 the war film oh sh- oh i forgot we were talking about that but i was thinking more um well, they're both war films really aren't they i suppose yeah i suppose in a way a, it's a source of war a war of the heart i'd say jojo Rabbit. okay what did you think of Jojo Rabbit, Will? Um, I was a bit sceptical going in, because um, I've read a lot of critics who weren't particularly glowing about it. But actually, I really, really loved it. It was in a weird way, it was quite heartwarming, quite life-affirming, which is strange when you think it's like a little Nazi boy whose imaginary friend is Hitler. Spoiler alert. Um, but oh, I found it really... Spoiler, that's the, literally the first scene of the film, isn't it? Is him yeah, having a conversation might, with people Hitler. People like to go into these things with a completely open mind. So I just, if I've spoiled that... He's a little Nazi boy. Adolf Hitler's is uh, his imaginary friend. That's, that's he's a little Nazi boy. Adolf Hitler is his imaginary friend. I don't, there's lots of critics saying it made light of Nazis, but I mm. thought, well, of course, what, what what were they meant to do? Well, you laugh think... at them, it instantly makes it. You know, it diminishes what they're about, doesn't it? Yeah. I, well, I think um, what was it? It was like when, and I don't remember this because we were children but the um down i think it's downfall that very the very famous hitler biopic oh, the, basically the, the, um, about the last days of the war yeah in with German, the very famous um scene that you know the scene that launched a thousand memes kind of yeah. thing nine 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 yeah, yeah the stalin and all yeah. of that you know you've seen it with like subtitles about liverpool and things you know you've seen it anyway um when that came out uh People, I think, well, I, re- I have read that people didn't like that it turned Hitler into, like, a feasible, believable human being. But I think, I, personally, the whole point is that he was a he was yeah. a real human being. He wasn't, like, some demon that came up from hell. He wasn't some alien that came down from outer space, although there's some cool conspiracy theories that we could talk about. Um, but he wasn't, you know, he was a human, and so was everyone in Germany at that time and yet this weird crazy horrible thing still happened i think it's 
I think the fact that he was a child mm. and the situation, his family situation and his life situation, a child growing up where all he'd ever known was Hitler. Nazis. The Nazis. And all of that propaganda. I thought that was a really interesting, given today's current political climate, much more so in America, but a little bit here. Mm. I think it's a very interesting comment that he's a child and there's his mother, Scarlett Johansson, who, by the way, is brilliant. I thought, think one of her best performances, probably, that I've she's ever had, seen. She's had two fantastic this year. She's had a mm. real real turnaround, old Scar, Scar Yo. She's, she's brilliant. She can do big, massive blockbusters. She can do um, really boring-looking indie films, which I know you're going to review one of those later. She, she is a fa- a f- turning into quite a fabulous actress. Anyway, she's uh, real good in it. And, and there's a couple of lines where she goes, you know, what happened to the boy who used to hide under the bed because he was scared of thunder and all of this stuff? And, you know, the Nazis are a pretty solid metaphor for loss of innocence. Yeah. I think it I think it was a really interesting way of doing it. I didn't get that it was making light of the Holocaust or anything like that at all. Well, that that's what I've read a few critics saying. But also, there was one which I watched earlier who said that it's actually... Have you seen the film Life is Beautiful? The Italian one. Oh, No. Well, basically, it's a, it was from, I think it was like 2000 it came out. And it's a dad in Italy who's a Jew. And he's he it starts as like a love story between him and, him and his wife. And then it ends with him in a concentration camp with his son. But mm. he, to disguise the horror of the concentration camp, his dad makes out like it's a big game and you've got to score the most points. And when you get out... You, and the similarities in the way that like they use satire in Life is Beautiful to Jojo Rabbit... Is actually like the whole winking thing with with Scarlett, Scarlett Johansson. That's an homage to Life Is Beautiful because that's oh, what her dad does. Um, and that was nominated. For, I think it won Best Picture actually. But that didn't get any criticism because I think this one's a bit more sort of. I think it's a bit more twenty first century and a, almost a bit a more lot, Hollywood. Bit more Hollywood, so therefore it's going to get more traction that way. Whereas Life Is Beautiful is, is a, an independent Italian film, which dealt with it in a bit with a bit more. I think is a bit more subtle, whereas this was quite garish in the way it was like shot. You know, see Hitler running around, doing funny dances and things, and kicking over chairs. And so I can see why I can see why it's rubbed people up the wrong way. But I mean, the the whole every scene Hitler is not really in the film, the, and I yeah. don't mean like because <laughs> he died seventy years ago. Or did I mean he? like. Well, I mean like there is no character that is Hitler. The character is this 10-year-old boy's imaginary, imaginary yeah. friend who is Adolf Hitler. So, it, of course, he's doing weird stuff. Of course, he's being outlandish and, like, silly and ha- kind of how a 10-year-old would imagine. I also, yeah. I also you thought know. it was really... It, I think, that actually, the Hitler imaginary friend also sort of progressed throughout the film because it started, he was very, very silly. And then towards the end, as the kids growing up and coming a bit more informed and figuring out that actually maybe Jews aren't all that bad and Hitler comes in for like one of his last scenes and Hitler like then turns into like more of the dictator wanker that we know he is and starts screaming at the kid and telling him to grow up mm. I thought that was quite interesting because actually he didn't st- there was no hint of that in the beginning he was like a sort of lovable it, Hitler was almost lovable at the beginning wasn't he no, no, he was. I did not I find thought, that in the slightest will. I, no, I you thought, don't want to have said that. No, I think he was. I think he was trying to be made out as this cute little funny guy, and then throughout the mean. film, he starts sort of morphing into as the kid becomes more aware of his surroundings mm. and the things that are going on. He then turns into the more of the Hitler that we know. Just a little observation. Also, yeah. the, the David Bowie "Heroes in German" is my new favorite song. Yeah, I wanted world. to. I did just want to mention that without giving any spoilers, there is a music cue um, where David Bowie's "Hero" starts playing, and I just started crying oh. because of that song, because of the moment it comes in in the story, yeah. and the the story of that song. I mean, the narrative in the song, not like how they recorded it. And the story of the film intersect in a really nice way. I also think the use of the Beatles music at the start is a really was a really interesting thing. I think it's even written that someone's found like a picture of the script where 
it's deliberately showing yeah. that Nazis and Hitler were the Beatles of 1930s Germany. And I think that all plays into the the character of Hitler. I'm doing air quotes with my fingers because mm. it's not really Hitler. Um, I just thought it was... I, I Obviously, it's not a perfect film. Um, I thought there was so much more to love about it than there was to hate. I did think it took about half an hour to find its feet. I agree. Yeah. But I thought that once it did, it was really wonderful. And I think... It doesn't flinch away from... That 10-year-old says some horrible, horrible Nazi rhetoric. Yeah. Like, he says it out loud, and the character saying it believes it. And again, in the current political climate, we won't get into it. Hearing those words said by a child That's with shocking. conviction is really horrible and scary. And I think I wouldn't be a bit surprised if the intention was to make us think about how that sort of thing happens. I've also read a few a few things of people watching like the reaction that certain like cinemas have had and theaters and group of people in the theater and there was one which said that I I think it was somewhere in America in like the deep south in America and a critic went to go and watch it and it was a Jewish critic and they weren't laughing in the moments when they were supposed to be laughing, like oh, they were, right. yeah, he was like <laughs> yeah. he was sat in the theatre, and this kid was making these, like you know, as you said, horrible Nazi rhetoric, and the audience was like losing their minds, rolling around <laughs> laughing, and the critic was just sort of, I think he said, I, like, I had to get up and leave and watch it in a different theatre at a different time because, you know, it that I can see how it, that would pander if you if you haven't got the you know, if you don't know what the film's about and you don't know the premise and you don't understand satire and you go in thinking it's one thing and laughing at the wrong thing, it could be really, really offensive. Right, and we're coming at it from a position where we're not... We probably would have been all right in that society, and that's a very privileged... Sorry to use a snowflake word, you know, (laughs) but that's a hugely privileged position to watch this film from. And I, I also saw a lot of stuff about... We're talking a long time about this film, but I think it's probably my favorite film I've seen uh, Ever. for ages no no <laughs> you know like this bloody year bloody hell I, this year but yeah. I was trying to think because this year's only a month old ha 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 but it's it's my favourite film I've seen for a while in the mm. cinema um, and I so I think it's good to talk about it but there were some people um, saying because one of the characters is very clearly coded as gay and then kind of confirmed as gay towards the end yeah and he ends up having I well this is the thing some people are criticizing the film because he gets redemption or is shown to be a good character I don't see it that way I don't think he no, does get that redemption at all also, I think he, he, he he says he says to uh, uh, spoilers but he says to a means don't spoil it someone was uh, <laughs> so he was talking about someone like they're a genuinely good person implying that he's not and I think that sort of Debunks any sort of not premise that he might he thinks he's a good person. I think he's very acknowledging of his flaws. Yeah, but I also think the film doesn't go. Oh, you know, he was all right in the end. No, uh, it doesn't. Sam Rockwell. I don't think it does at all. He's um, he suffers the fate that the Nazis suffered at the end of the war. I mm. I don't know if that's a spoiler. We, yeah. Well, he well. He gets shot in the street like yeah. a dog, Will. Yeah. And and quite right too. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't sad when that happened and I don't think the movie plays it where I'm meant to be sad when that happens. No. Because he was a Nazi. And Nazis dying is never a bad thing. The the conflict comes because our main character, our hero, is a Nazi. But he's a child and he's been corrupted mm. and there is a chance for him. He hasn't sent anyone to the concentration camps. He's not there anyone. is a chance for him yeah. to be redeemed. And I think that's the whole, you know, I don't want to be a kind of YouTube reactionary, but I think people are maybe missing that that is maybe the whole point of the story. Yeah, but also the, the, the officer who's, as you said, shot, in, shot like a dog in the street at the end. There are moments during the film where he does display elements of humanity. Because he's a human. Because he's a they were fucking all human. human. Do you know what I mean? Like, of course there's going to be moments where he actually goes, mm. I don't think all, we got to stress this, all Nazis weren't actually inherently bad people. They just got caught up in a propaganda and a system. 
you can't tell me that every single Nazi was inherently evil and a Nazi person. Well, uh, well the majority of them were as you and I would be if we were I do born think in the UK probably back then. every Nazi lieutenant or captain yeah. or whatever he was were, yeah. you know, the, the whole banality of it. We don't I think we're in over our heads on this podcast <laughs> talking about like personal responsibility during times of horrible authoritarian rules. But um mm. Would you agree? Or do you think we should get into it and do a massive brand pivot? Let's do a brand pivot. <laughs> Let's suddenly just start talking about, like, social theory for hours yeah. on end. Um, <laughs> no, I mean, it, to me, it's much more interesting to have characters who are actual Nazis in that time or neo-Nazis today, and they're human and they're not caricature cartoon character evil people they are evil people but they don't just constantly bathe in the blood of because people wouldn't accept that they were human beings and there's a reason that what happened was allowed to happen and what is happening is being allowed to happen for so long and it's because they're real believable genuine human people and that's a important thing to acknowledge not a thing to kind of get rid of at, at the at the risk of seeming like you're siding with the nazis because well, I, they're two very yeah, different things i read that um taika waititi who's the director wrote this screenplay i think it was like 10 years ago or something before everything started going a bit pete tong in europe <laughs> mm. and um he's he came back to it he was like i think he directed the marvel film and they said right you've done that um, what's your passion project? And he said, right, I've got this screenplay, Jojo Rabbit. It's come full circle, and yeah. it's probably more relevant now than if he had released it when he initially wrote the screenplay. Certainly. That's very interesting. So that's Jojo Rabbit. For me, like four stars, brilliant, cannot recommend it enough. Mm. It if it reminded me in parts of like a Wes Anderson film, in particular oh, yeah. Moonrise Kingdom, mm. um, which is one of his better ones. Um, it reminded me a lot of that. For some people, that would put them off. Um, but for me, I see that's a good thing. Um, I really liked it. I really I'd, liked it. Yeah, I'd give it four and a half stars out of five. Brilliant. I thought it was absolutely fantastic, and I would recommend anyone go and watch it. And if you did, have you if you've seen it already, and want more of that sort of thing, um, go and watch Life Is Beautiful because that's less controversial, but will just make you weep for hours. What plug? <laughs> Yeah, it'll make you, you cry it's a fantastic film if the film. state of the world isn't enough to make you weep and you need a little bit of extra encouragement life is beautiful or to be fair Jojo Rabbit because as I said there were a couple of moments in particular one music cue which did just absolutely oh, hit even. me right at the right <laughs> at the correct six. angle <laughs> it was really I thought it was brilliant and that's Jojo Rabbit hey Lister is me Sorry that I had to talk some pop culture trash. Please listen to me. Please subscribe for more Will and May. Yeah, yeah, subscribe to the podcast. Hey, speaking of uh, things in the past, <laughs> I'm trying to do a segue like you okay, did, remember? Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, <laughs> speaking of old things, um, someone wrote a book about. I guess this is an adaptation of The Borrowers or something. But Will, you went to see the film Little Women. I did. I went oh, to see Little Women on my own. Now, on a lonely you, Saturday night. <laughs> I would like to hear. I haven't seen Little Women. Right. Mm. Um. Uh, I would like to. I just haven't got round to it yet. Mm. Um. Before you get into it, I'd like to share with with the listener, if I may, um, what you shared with the world on your Instagram account. Um, yeah. now, what I, now, I don't know necessarily the story of Little Women, but I do understand it's a kind of proto-feminist story, um, a real kind of um, important work uh, mm-hmm. of feminist literature. Yeah. Um, and again, I haven't read it because fuck that. <laughs> no, joking, I just haven't. <laughs> I just haven't. going to get cancelled. <laughs> I know, I know. It, there was just a goof. I haven't got around to reading it. But you're... You said three, uh, three things in your kind of instant hot take review of Little Women. Yeah. <laughs> One was that um, you were the only person in your, you were the only male in yeah. the screening. Correct. Um, 
one I can't remember the other one, but then the third one. Oh, it's good. It's good, and everyone should see it because it's an important feminist story. Yep. And then the third one was Florence Pugh is really hot. No, it wasn't. <laughs> and I, I just <laughs> thought it was very funny. <laughs> that one of your Florence... top three points about this feminist masterpiece was that one of the actors in it is a real cutie pie. <laughs> She's gorgeous. She's absolutely stunning. I know, but that's not. I just thought it was funny that that was one of your key takeaways it was, no, it from was, this feminist yeah. film. It was hilarious because I walked in there. I was really late because I was, I don't know, I was having a shower or something. I was long in the shower and I was late to the cinema. And I was like, I was one of the last people to get in. In fact, I think the movie was, it was the 21st century Fox do, 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 drums. Come, as I walked in, I was like, mm. oh shit. So you, you sort of hurry and it's packed. It's a Saturday night. And I was the only man in there. And everyone was giving me these like, kindly oh look at this sweet boy come to watch little women on his own look at this wokeling yeah this little wokeling how unthreatening's he and then florence Pugh came on the screen and i was just sat there going oh my dribbling God, she is absolutely stunning and she is but she's also a very talented actress matt which is part of the appeal i know i know she's I... been nominated for an oscar i think i know how good of an actress she is i i she was in midsummer which was amazing mm. I also watched, over Christmas, I watched Fighting With My Family, which yeah. I didn't know she was in before I started watching it. Um, but she's real good in that too. She's really brilliant. And I'm not yeah. that, you know, she's very obviously very beautiful movie star. I just thought that it was very funny um, that that was one of your top three observations. But yeah. you now have an opportunity, a platform, if you will, to expand on your review of this great work. So, right. I'm going to say something now, and it is not meant as a dig. The film is very much... I found it more of a vibe than a story. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. Not a lot... Please do, because it was nonsense. (laughs) Not a lot really happens. (laughs) If I'm being honest, it's a bit bit called the midwifey. It's very... I found it to be quite vanilla in parts. Boring. Not boring, not boring, because I think obviously a lot of people have an affinity with the book, and it means a lot to them. And I think it's sort of like Harry. I've read something that said it's a Harry Potter syndrome, whereas people, like, you know, as soon as that Harry Potter you know, music comes on, everyone's just happy to be back in that world. And mm. for a lot of people, it's it's more it's more the nostalgia of reading the book and what it me- meant to them growing up than actually what the how good the film was. And it was a good film, and I did really enjoy it, and I think it's important people go and see it. But at the same time, not a lot really happens. <laughs> so you were just mostly focusing on Florence Pugh? No, I thought the acting was really, really good in it. I thought there was, I think, um, Saoirse... Is it Saoirse? I can't never say her surname. Ronan. You got through Saoirse, but not Ronan? That's insane. Saoirse Ronan is just fantastic in everything she does. I think the direction is really good i think timothy timothy charlemagne's great who um, timothy charlemagne i thought it was charlemagne charlemagne am i thinking of that great french emperor charlemagne the german emperor yeah i think it was french uh, i don't think he was but uh, I, maybe should I we think... you know what do you know what Let's go. i can pull it up on google <laughs> right here oh, God. emperor charlemagne charlemagne yeah i know what you mean charlemagne the I, great he's he's french i'm sure paris King of the Franks. Get it! Hang on, hang on, hang on. He was Emperor of the Romans from 800. Yeah. Hang on, we'll get there. Play, we need... Born. Oh, God, I'll get, some, I'll get some tense music on this. Now is Franks, because, see, it could be France, or it could be, like, Frankfurt, you know? It's not Frankfurt. I was right. I know I'm right. It was the largest post-Roman barbarian kingdom in Western Europe. It does sat on the map here. It is France. To be fair, it is France and Germany. So (laughs) we were looking at... um, But yeah, the Rhine and the Meuse. The Holy Roman Empire. It, It evolved into the Holy Roman Empire, which was Germany. So I think... That just goes to show that even with the uh, wealth of human knowledge at our fingertips, we're still complete morons who can't work <laughs> things out. We still don't really know. Let me try and find a place of birth for this guy. This well, is this is good radio, right? Yeah, you you just Google things. Oh and no, I'll... born in the ah present day Germany. Oh fuck! Yes, off. really? No, yes! I was French. Come on! <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm not having that. I'm actually, I'm actually not having it. I'm sure well, he's French. Tell it to the judge. Emperor I've just done the Google. How, how many pages have you gone through there to get this that? This is to get on the, the right front answer. Front page of Wikipedia. Front page of Wikipedia, baby. But he's he's Emperor of the Franks. Yeah. But the Frenchies. Yeah. Anyway, we were reviewing Little Women. It's a really Ooh, good the film. The Western Germanic um, tribe of the, the lovely Franks. lovely vibe. Ooh. Ooh, that's got to hurt. Oof. Oof, like a like a dagger in the ribs. I'm try as two males here, I'm trying to review a feminist <laughs> piece of art, and you're there going, oof, oof, that's got to hurt over it in some sort of changing room manner. Sorry, I didn't hear you reviewing it because your FaceTime cut out. <laughs> Bullshit. So let's go from the bit where I was correct about Charlemagne oh. and um you were about to start your or continue your review. So so far, not much happened. <laughs> not much. Ha- not much happened. The soundtrack's really good. Um, there's lots of fantastic acting. It is quite heartwarming, uh, and Florence Pugh is very, very beautiful. <laughs> um, okay. Anything else on Little Women? I think is I think it is important people go and see it. Jokes aside, it is worth the watch. Um, just because uh, a band of sisters against all odds. Living, loving, laughing. Best picture, genuine contender. No. Mm-hmm. No, I th- I I haven't seen nineteen seventeen yet, so I can't comment. But of what I've seen we'll thus do that far, a bit later. I genuinely think it's between Jojo Rabbit and Marriage Story. Well, um, speaking of Marriage Story, will let's keep this good thing going. Yeah. And um, tell tell us and tell me because I have so. Marriage Story. Yeah. Uh, Netflix original. It must have been in cinemas for a bit because it's um, on, on the Oscars there was, there nominees. Was, yeah, it was in cinemas for about limited two weeks release or yeah, something. Limited release. But um, it's a Netflix kind of studios film. Mm. Uh, it's been pushed, pushed heavily, at least on my Netflix. To me, it looks absolutely interminable. It looks completely dull and devoid of any kind of interest at all, despite it having Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver, who I both, who I very much like. However, what does my opinion matter? I hadn't seen the you fucking thing. I haven't seen thing. the fucking thing. I haven't seen the fucking thing. So, Will, tell us about Marriage Story. What? <laughs> <laughs> that was so CBBC. So, marriage, <laughs> marriage Story is basically Scarlett Johansson and Adam Driver... Um, negotiating their way through a pretty hairy divorce process. Um, that is basically the long and short of it, except they get caught up in the laws and it's sort of them right, like turns the into what's almost almost a court drama as well at times. Okay, that um, sounds interesting. It is interesting, but it is worth watching just for Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson because they are so brilliant in it. Like honestly, some of the best acting I've seen that that decade. Genuinely, I, there's a scene where they both finally... It's all very cordial for a while, and there's a scene when they both absolutely lose it with each other and say horrible things, and Adam Driver breaks down. like, And it is just, oh, my God. Like, he screams at her at one stage, I wish you'd fucking die, and then, like, recoils because he's so ashamed of what he said. Mm. And he's just sobbing, and then Scarlett Johansson's just there sobbing. And it is just the most brilliant acting ever. And it's so well scripted. It's like, it's just honest. I you can't poo poo it unless you've seen it. It's, if if you if you watch it and it's not for you, fair enough. But don't go off it because you think it's interminable. Absolutely. Because you, you said the same uh, thing about Cold War. Remember? I and that did, got, and I still haven't seen that because it still looks super super boring. But again, whenever I'm going to stop giving you recommendations because <laughs> you just never watch anything I recommend. So I watch plenty of stuff. I watched Joker basically on your recommendation. Because I don't really care about Joker. And look at that. I think maybe I'm just out of step with the Academy, as it were. Because Joker's got the most bloody nominations. And I was probably not going to see it. And Marriage Story, everyone loves it. And I probably was not going to see it. So, you know. (laughs) What the hell do you know? So, I'm either wrong or I'm just a little bit different, you know. I march to the beat of my own drum. Marriage Story won't be for everyone. It is pacey film. But slow pace. Do you know what I mean? Pacey. Facebook. Pacey. But where pacey here means slow. <laughs> <laughs> I 
I was I got I started saying pace. I was like, oh, I should have said slow before that. It's a slow paced film, but the acting is just phenomenal, and it does make you. It really makes you feel something. Hmm. Like it. Well, ge- I will. It, it gets you right in the guts. I right in my little heart. Check it out. My little broken heart. Yeah. Do you think that's maybe part of it? Well, my broken little heart. Like when you listen to sad music when you're sad, you maybe listen to sad films when you're sad. Also. Um. I don't know. I don't think my heart's broken anymore. I think it's fine. Um, my heart is broken. <laughs> Subscribe to Blind Corner on iTunes and drop us a rating so you never miss the latest episode. Hey, uh, Will. Matt. There's a, a Best Picture nominee that we've both seen. Joker leading the nominations. I think it's got 11 or 12 nominations for Oscars. And I've got to tell you, I, you wrote about it on blindcorner.net, mm. our website, which is constantly being updated um, <laughs> with new, fresh content. Um, uh, you wrote about it. And I think you wrote in quite, if I remember correctly, quite glowing terms about the film. Um, Semi-glowing. Semi-glowing. I don't think I liked it as much as you did. I thought it was fine. I'm extremely surprised to see it leading the nominations for yeah, Oscars. I'm surprised. I think um, Joaquin does deserve a um, Best Actor shout. Because I think he is brilliant in it. He's It's a great performance. Um, I'm not sure about Director. I'm definitely not sure about Best Picture. Um because it was quite nasty in places, and I'm, I don't think nasty films should should really be up for awards. Because I just don't like <laughs> nasty films getting good good awards. Um, it should me, be something's got to have. It's got to have a heart. It's got to make me feel good at the end, and it's got to have me. Like, no, I just feel I, terrible coming out. I'd of Joker. like to say I so massively disagree with it has to make you feel good at the end or it's not a good film no um, i don't and i think, it think has to make you, you disagree with that as well no i don't i think <laughs> i think joker is overall a really nasty film it's got nasty undertones there's not a lot of joy in it um no but that's all by design be, right yeah by design and i get that i just don't want my best picture to be a horrible film with no showing the worst of humanity in it because um, that's what it does. It shows the world. You much of prefer Jojo Rabbit, a film about Nazis. How did I die, 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 feeling groovy? Hi there, listener. Will here. Um, in doing the edit, I have realised that I pulled my microphone out of the laptop, um, thus making the next passage of the podcast somewhat of a lesser quality to the first half. How did I die, die, die feeling groovy? 1917 was really good. Uh, all the negative uh, reviews of it I've seen, uh, I didn't agree with. Um, one of the reviews was like, um, oh, this film, at no point do its protagonists question um, the, uh, like, the nature of fighting in war. They, this film just... Uh, goes on with the message of personal heroism, and I was like, "It's a film about World War One." Literally, literally oh, for God's sake, a film so universally known. The poet theirs is not to question why theirs just to do or die, like, <laughs> or do and die. I can't really remember. And you literally a get a special badge for heroism <laughs> if you're in the war. Are you joking me? And the film addresses how meaningless badges for heroism are within I guessing the first 15 to 20 minutes of the film I think there are perfectly valid criticisms but the the negative things I've seen were that the one shot kind of gimmick was just there for grandstanding and, and it didn't add to the story which I disagree with I think you feel like you're on this mission with these two soldiers I think it works really well there are moments where I see the CGI joins you know where because they didn't really make it in one shot because that's impossible um but i don't care because it's a movie um uh that that stuff was ridiculous that um they don't question the ethics of war of course they didn't like literally of course they didn't question the ethics of war they would have been shot 
Um, one, I do have to share this. Uh, YouTube is is both the best and worst place, I think, for film um, kind of criticism. I think you get an awful lot of really good, really insightful stuff, and the the format lends itself to people who have got lots of time to think about it. Lots of time. They're not trying to hit a deadline and try and just churn out a review for a you know um, for a magazine or whatever they have a lot of time to spend on it you also get a lot of like reactionary bullshit see just like search into youtube star wars the last jedi you'll see a whole load of real bad film criticism but one uh video i saw about 1917 said that towards the end of the film you see benedict cumberbatch and that was really distracting because he's easily the most famous actor in the film for god's sake Like employing a well-known actor is is somehow a... a, a, Oh, my God. Hang on. He's not really a... He's he's not really a corporal. He's not really a corporal. That's Benedict Cumberbatch. Hey, is this even World War I? I think this is all made up. (laughs) Really one of the craziest criticisms I've ever seen. Once again... (laughs) Once again, the film's not perfect. There are flaws you can level at it. I think there are bits um, in the middle where... It loses track of its. I think it does lose track of what it's trying to say towards the middle. Um, uh, but and and one of the lead performances, and I can't say which one without spoiling it. But I guarantee, if you watch it, um, you will know. Uh, one of the lead performances is not just not up to standard because listen you're in a film with Colin Firth and Andrew Scott and Benedict Cumberbatch and you get out acted fair enough like pretty much anyone in the world would but it's not just not up to standard it's like a primary school nativity is it is it's, it the boy from Game of Thrones? It's, it's it, okay. It's the boy from Game <laughs> of Thrones, and he wasn't particularly good in Game of no, Thrones. And as he's walking along, going, "Did I ever tell you about old Nicky from Down on the Farm?" I'm like, "Jesus Christ!" I love um, that they went with kind of mostly lesser known actors. I like that. He very much has that young look and looks like just a normal regular guy. That film with Leonardo DiCaprio and Brad Pitt doesn't work, right? Like, it doesn't work because those two are superhero people. It it has to be normal-looking, young-kid-looking dudes. But holy hell, I think they probably could have found a better one than him. The, the The film is not perfect. There's plenty of flaws. A lot of the flaws I've seen noted in reviews, I don't actually agree with. I think it's fantastic. I think it's there are visuals in it that the first time you see No Man's Land, I genuinely gasped and swore out loud to the point that the person sitting next to me laughed. Um, what did you say? What explained to be going? I went, Jesus fucking Christ. <laughs> Because it's so scary, yeah. and and the film really instills that in you that holy hell, this was the worst thing that you could hope to go through as like a young white dude. <laughs> you know that really was maybe the one time in history that we really have been in the shit. Yeah, um, and of course, lots of non-white um, and non-male people fought in that war. I'm not. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't cancel me. But worth seeing. The good outweigh the bad. Absolutely. I think um, the only... Well, you know, I was going to say the only Oscar film, Oscar nominee that I've seen that isn't worth seeing is Cats. Um, But I disagree. Because holy hell. Bonus content. We'll put this after the credits. Let's do a goodbye and then I'll do a little bit on Cats. So just before we leave, we're going to do some special mentions on other good films which haven't been nominated mm-hmm. for Oscars. Um, or, well, that we don't know. Because, yeah, you know, know, maybe they have, but we're idiots. <laughs> I watched a film the other day which was, it was a Bill Nye film. It was sort of weirdly mm-hmm. art house. It's like sort of Wes Anderson vibes. It was called um, Sometimes Always Never. And it's set mm-hmm. in Liverpool, so it won't be for everyone, especially you Manx out there, because I know how much you hate the city. 
Um, and the accent. It's the people, in fact. It's the people, not the um, city. It's quite a nice city. But okay, we'll move on. True. Offensive. Um, but, but and yet, and yet, and yet, not true. Um, <laughs> and it's a basically a dad and his son, and the other son has gone missing, and it's basically Bill Nye searching for his other son, um, and all the issues that that family have around it, and yeah, the whole prodigal son thing comes into play. One son feels like he's not loved, and the other one is, and he left and he stayed. It's it's really really worth the watch, and Bill Nye's amazing in it. And he plays a tailor, and the whole some he's yeah, always the whole brilliant. sometimes always never thing is basically him talking to his grandson about which buttons to do on a blazer, which is really cool. Oh, so he goes sometimes, nice. always, never, and it was just like, oh god, that's so, you're so cool, Bill Nye. It's worth watching it just for that bit. And now we, <laughs> and don't, now we don't need to. <laughs> yes, <laughs> <laughs> just YouTube it. You'll see it in two seconds. But that was really really good. Uh, yeah, yeah, cool, good. Um, um well. That was a good app. I think that's... What, what content? Like, it was a long one. I think we should charge for that. It was a long... Hu- I think that would be hubris in the extreme. It was a big expanse like No Man's Land, but unlike in the war, gentle listener, you are greeted with more warmth on the other side, and that warmth is us thanking you for joining us. Thank you. That's the end. Ooh. Quick. <laughs> Right, well, hang on then, Will. Yeah. Um, hi, hello, listener. I know, what are we thinking, putting something on the end of an already extremely long episode? Well, a couple of things. First of all, Will declined to say that you can find us on Twitter at Blind Corner Show, oh, yeah, Facebook at Blind Corner Show. You can uh, listen to us on Spotify and download us on iTunes. Spotify is excellent because, you know, you can put us on repeat and you can just... And I wanted to talk about this, Will. Do you remember, it was about a year ago now, we said to our gentle listeners they were to gain the system by putting on our podcast again, episodes again, on again, repeat, again, again. on mute, just while they slept, yeah. whatever, didn't matter, they didn't actually have to listen to us, they just had to be playing it constantly on repeat. Use your Wi-Fi. Now, Justin Bieber has told his fans to do the same thing with his new song. What? Yummy, 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 yummy. yummy. Terrible, yeah. terrible song. He's been, I've heard it's not good. I haven't heard the song. Um, I've, I've just I've done a better version than he did, so. But what I'm saying is, Will, be careful, because I think he got that idea from us. I think Justin Bieber listens to the show. Do you think the Biebs is a blind cornerer? Do you think he's a podcat? I, right. There's another thing I wanted to talk to you about, actually. I don't want this to go all home truthsy, but you, I thought it was so brilliant when you came up with podcasts, and I was so proud of you oh, as no, your friend and your brother, and I'm really, really happy with it. And I was out for drinks recently with my friends Izzy and Jack. God bless, hello Izzy and Jack. They moved to London, so hopefully I'll see a lot more of them than I, than I have in the last you know, five years or so. But they... Brought to my attention, very embarrassingly, I had to cover for you. <laughs> I put my neck on the line for you. That that's an Adam Buxton thing. The much more successful and much funnier podcast. We're not loads of podcasters. Will you came to me with a with with you fenced patter. You f- it was stolen patter, and you sold it to me. You're a fence. You're a patter fence. I don't think a word can be construed as patter i think it is when it's a word it is when it's a portmanteau but, but we came word up with a made different up. one anyway we had a different one yeah, and what them. was that because we couldn't remember it because it wasn't as good as podcasts <laughs> so we ditched the other one and and now it turns out that we look like right rubes there's me going <laughs> yeah podcasts yeah, oh, but, and will that's so yeah, funny Matt, and Matt, everyone thinks that i'm yeah, a schmuck we get the we get people stealing our shit all the time. Look at Atletico Mints. Look at Andy Dawson stealing our poetry. Andy Dawson, he does. He did steal our poetry thing. And he's a massive Tory. Took money to promote Brexit. Yeah. Don't ever forget that. So you got to play the system, he... play the game. You know. Yeah. yeah. Still, Still though. I think um, we're in credit. You made me look like a real dingus. What in front of? In front of God and everybody. I love that phrase. <laughs> Um, I'll apologise. Do you know what? Well. Full disclosure: that's patter theft from <laughs> from the McElroy brothers. For God's sake, see, you're doing it. So there we are. There's nothing original under the sun, I guess. Nothing's original. But we do need to come up with a better word. 
Not right yeah, now, yeah. because that was like five seconds of complete yeah, silence. The real reason I wanted to do a little bit of a bonus, and there's really no time now anyway, but I wanted to talk about Cats because it's a bad film, right? It doesn't deserve to be mentioned. It is nominated for visual effects. It shouldn't win. The visual effects are dreadful. It looks horrible. The film looks bad. It's directed badly. The performances are bad. The CGI is bad. The camera work is bad. It's bad. The only good thing you can say about it is that the principal ballerina from, I, I think the Royal Ballet, maybe the National Ballet, I'm not sure, um, Francesca Hayward is, I believe her name, does do some dancing in it. And she's an absolutely beautiful dancer. I mean, my goodness. What I do wish I'd paid my money to see is her in a ballet instead of the abomination that is Cats. But I bring it up for two reasons. One, it's nowhere near as bad as everyone is saying. I mean, and two, it's completely book wild and it needs to be seen to be believed. But there really is little else to be said. Um, we'll talk about Cats next time, I guess. Uh, I, I can smell that from here. <laughs> I'm about 200 miles away. I, re- so. I read a review from Cats that said the only way to fix Cat would be to have it spayed, and that made me laugh really hard. <laughs> um, it's crazy. The show doesn't work. Be- the show works because it's a show. The movie doesn't work because the show has no story. It's completely book wild. Um, ta- they made Taylor Swift's... I- I'm just doing bullet points yeah, here. They, they made Taylor Swift's... They made Taylor Swift's cat boobs bigger than Taylor Swift's normal boobs, and I don't know why. And but the worst thing is, I suspect that I do know why. And it's gross. I, as someone who really, really massively fancies Taylor Swift, I really wish they hadn't done that. Um, uh, so there we are. Um, the James Corden is beyond dreadful beyond there is a moment where his cat character jumps into a dustbin and i was like omg mood (laughs) big mood (laughs) james corden in the dustbin mood mood af um because that's how i talk now that i'm back on twitter Um, back on twitter yeah we'll talk about it after off mic um the last thing is that there's a moment of genuine body horror where rebel wilson unzips her cat fur to reveal a Vegas showgirl outfit, but she unzips her cat's skin. Um, and I Christ. and I recoiled in horror. Like, I, I went, oh! out loud in the <laughs> You must be in the cinema. to sit next to. It was horrific. Like, genuinely, uh, if that had been in a horror film, it would, have, it would maybe win best visual effects. It was horrendous, and I hated it. Um, but those songs... Those songs. There's something to them. There's something to them. I've been tapping my foot to uh, Magical Mr. Mistopheles for, well, months. So, that's the end. That really is the end. That really is the end. Bye. Find us on Twitter, Facebook, Spotify, iTunes. Have us on repeat on Spotify while you sleep.